0: to the Cultivating Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Billy Schultz. Uh, today we have with us uh, Dr. Phil Johnson, who serves the district as uh, assistant to the president for Congregation Mission Formation. Thanks for being with us today, Phil. Hey, you're welcome, Billy. Can you tell us a little bit about your ministry background, uh, where you've served prior to the district and uh, the ministries you've been involved in in your life?
1: Sure. Way back in uh, 1982, I graduated from Concordia St. Paul as a director of Christian Outreach. Uh, Served Christ Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska for about 12 years and another eight years at Peace Lutheran Church in Nevada, Colorado, before being called back to Concordia St. Paul to coordinate the DCO program, do some teaching and do coaching of DCO students that were involved with field work, were also out in the on their internships, and then back in 2012, after completing my PhD in in organizational change, um, I was I was asked by President Nasty to step into the role that was vacated by Mike Zimmer.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So for the past now almost six years, you've served at the district in your role. What is the, your the scope of your work? What do you do? Who do you work with?
1: I primarily work with existing congregations who are seeking to to better understand their role in their community and in in mission. And so um, I work with with that whole range of mission formation, identifying congregational core strengths, opportunities out in the community for for, uh, connection, and uh, trying to match up those strengths with community needs. Very cool.
0: What are some of these uh, specific ways when you think about uh, congregation mission formation? Uh, it's really about aligning around the Great Commission, the heart of the Christian faith. Uh, what are some specific, specific ways that we do that as a district?
1: Well, you know, there's a whole range of opportunities. We talk about um, the mission formation process as, as congregations learning to think, plan, and act in response to the Great Commission, and we really stress the idea that it happens in that order. First, we need to learn what does it mean to think missionally, and that means getting outside of ourselves so that the decisions we make aren't always based on what's best for us. There's a balance between uh, the needs that are internal to the congregation, but also the needs that are in the community and the opportunities that are out there. Once we learn to begin thinking in terms of Great Commission, now we can start to plan our actions so that we can then step into those actions with a sense of confidence that they're not gonna they're not gonna turn back around the other way. So we have strategic planning events. Um, we have uh, support for for leadership development. Our a good example of that is our synods connect to disciple ministry. Um, we we can we can come into a congregation for a a weekend workshop and work through that connected disciple ministry. That's a that's a great way to begin to develop a team of leaders within a congregation that are thinking and planning missionally. Well well designed material. Uh, we have sponsored congregations either to the rural small town ministry conference, or to the best practices for ministry conference again. As a team, they begin to to think and to plan missionally so that they can carry out those actions within their congregation. Uh, Missional learning communities of pastors. I think right now we have five different missional learning communities comprised of five or six pastors each. And the whole point of those missional learning communities is so pastors can learn to support and encourage um, one another in in taking the steps needed to lead their congregation out into their community more effectively. Um, We coach congregations and pastors through selected missional development process, um, and then all along the way to a full congregation mission evaluation. We could send a team into a congregation and have done this a number of times. They'll spend time before that visit uh, helping the congregation to to look at its ministry more closely, they'll come in for a weekend of of visits, discussions, uh, teaching, and the whole thing ends with with uh, with a list of, of of next step recommendations for congregations to take in their missional development. So it's a whole broad range of options and opportunities, depending on where the congregation is at right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And most of the times, it's the congregations that that come to us and, and look for those resources, those opportunities to learn and to grow, to think and plan. Um,
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, We try to make these resources um, available and known, but it really requires the congregation to take that first step. Um, We don't want to impose any of this on a congregation. We want them to, 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 uh, to, just express a concern or a need that says, "Hey, we there's something that we'd like to explore further. How can you help?" And we try not to come in with a, a a one-size-fits-all approach. We really try to sit down and listen, understand where the congregation's at, understand better where how they see their community, and then start to shape what would fit best for that congregation.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. Now, you talk about these different options that congregations have to align themselves, and and obviously with the learning communities, those are primarily for pastors. But these other things really involve a whole team of people, like you said. It's not just the church staff. There's also lay leaders involved. Why do you see it uh, to be so important to have these larger groups of leaders involved and even uh, the lay leaders of the congregation?
1: Well, Billy, I understand the Scripture pointing to the members of a congregation as the body of Christ, Uh, with the, the declaration that God's gifts are reflected in the people. And that means there's no one person that's sufficient. There's no single part of the body that's sufficient. They're all there to serve one another and to support one another in this task that has been given us of reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So that means leaders are there to help provide opportunities uh, to align the parts of the body so that they're working together. Uh, again, that doesn't fall to just one person. That's that's bringing all those gifts and talents and abilities together, and then focusing them in a in that single shared mission of reaching people for Jesus Christ. Um, sometimes I think we we're the ones that that. That create the distinction between laity and clergy, or leadership and lay member, and to the detriment of the work that we have to do. Sometimes our laity will sit back and say, "Well, that's why we pay the pastor. That's his job. He should be he should be doing those things." Uh, sometimes the pastor is frustrated because he can't get people to 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 help him in his ministry, when in fact it's really the congregation. The whole the whole ministry belongs. To the congregation, and they need to be able to serve with one another, making the best use of the strengths and abilities that are there to impact the greatest number of people.
0: In the many congregations, that's probably a pretty huge shift for them to say, "Okay, this is our responsibility." Do you see a lot of pushback in places where they don't think that way, or do you see them seeing the value in that involvement and shared ministry?
1: Yes, I've seen both. I've seen reluctance on the part of congregations, either because I almost think of it in terms of of uh, when I when I would work with people on how to share their faith individually. You know, we draw a distinction between witnessing and outreach. Witnessing is something that I do in my life, uh, and I can I can witness to you or to another person one on one. And I'm speaking of what God has, what the good news that God has and how it's been expressed in my life. Outreach is something we do collectively, together, through the through the church, where we're, we're bringing all of that together. I've seen reluctance on the part of congregations because they misunderstand what outreach is about. And they think, well, I have nothing to offer to that. I have nothing to, to give to that. When in fact... God has clearly said that He's aligned the parts of the body just as He wants them to be. He's got a purpose and a plan for every part, and they fit together. and And as we as we use the gifts and talents we have, it benefits not only those around us but those who aren't even here yet. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's very important. Yeah, to always be looking outside those doors, realizing that church doesn't exist just for the people. Who are members, but for those especially who don't even know who Jesus is or have been disconnected in some way?
1: Yeah, it was one author, and, and I don't recall who said that, but the the, the simple statement that the, the church is the one organization on earth that truly exists for the sake of others. Um, we're not in this for ourselves. We've been we've been called. We've been we're, we've been connected to Christ. We're new creations. Our, our future is secure as disciples of Jesus Christ. We've been sent now to make that same offer of reconciliation and peace to others that, that don't yet know him. We exist for people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here.
0: That's exactly why we're here. Some people might look at some of these efforts and say, well... What about word sacrament ministry? Obviously, we as Lutherans value that so highly. Where does word sacrament tie into these mission formation efforts? Well,
1: you know what? I, 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 this is one of the things that I really appreciate about, for example, our Synod's Connected Disciple process. They talk about uh, this. They use the image of a funnel. A uh, large end of the funnel is the connection process, ways in which we connect with people out in our community. But if we leave it at just connection— People become familiar with our congregation, but they're really not brought into a disciple relationship. Uh, the, the middle of the funnel, the image that they use from moving from connection, they move down into relationship. And this is where a lot of our congregations struggle. We can be pretty good at creating connections We struggle with making relationships and getting to know people one-on-one and listening to their their stories and connecting their stories to his story. That's where disciples are made. And so the disciple process, you know, a disciple is nothing more or less than a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, That's where Word and Sacrament comes in. So the goal of making connections out in the community isn't just to make our congregation more well-known, It's to create the relationships from which disciple can grow. That's where the whole church works together. It's connecting to relationships to discipleship.
0: And that process keeps happening then as more disciples come in. You have more people then making those connections outside And it's a really cool way that God designed the church to work.
1: Yeah, I've I've looked at sometimes at the end of Acts chapter two, and it describes the church perfectly. I've always drawn it as a circle. You know, these three thousand people come to faith uh, uh, following Peter's Pentecost sermon. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayer. They devote themselves to one another. They're they, they support and encourage one another. They provide for needs. They, they worship together in the temple. They, they share meals in their homes. But then it goes on to say, and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. So people in the community knew of these followers of the way, and they had a good reputation in the community. And it says, the Lord added to their number every day those who were being saved. So they were planting the seeds they were watering and nurturing them, and the Lord brought forth the growth. Mm-hmm. And you can bet that as those people were brought to the church every day, they were baptized. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread and prayer, and the circle goes on. Mm-hmm. That's the that, To me, that's a great image of a healthy congregation is they're completing that circle. People are baptized. They grow in their faith. They grow in their fellowship with the koinonia, the fellowship with one another. And in in their community, they're making connections, and the Lord is bringing forth those who would be disciples, and on it goes.
0: That's so cool. I love how God works in those ways.
1: Yep. It just is such, to me, it seems to be such a clear image of of what a healthy, um, vital congregation looks like. All those aspects are there, and they're operating. Mm -hmm. And then we
0: have events coming up, too, um, coming up in March and April. Uh, looking at how to make our congregations these these places where the doors are open for these connection points and for these ministries to happen. Can you tell us about uh, the events that we have coming up?
1: Yeah, this year our leaders, our spring leadership summits are going to be focusing on the the book Hinges. Uh, Hinges was was written by Reverend Dr. Terry Tiemann, and it was based on principles that he learned. During his work as the first director for revitalization for the LCMS, and also as the as the executive director for Transforming Churches Network, uh, an LCMS uh, recognized service organization, um, the whole organization and the book is focused on empowering God's people in eight specific areas, what they call hinges. And the reason they use the word hinges is they believe these eight specific areas are the are the the mechanisms on which the doors of our churches swing open out into a, into their community and so there are there are four leadership hinges there are four congregational membership hinges and on those hinges the door swing. and if the doors are having a difficult time swinging it might be because we've got some rusty hinges that need to be that need to be oiled up and so the, the there's opportunity for congregations that register for either the either the March 24th event down in Owatonna or the uh, April 14th event up at, at uh, Trinity South Shore and White Bear Lake. Uh, they have an opportunity to do a, a hinge self-assessment in their congregation at no cost. This is something that, that Dr. Tiemann's organization is offering to our district at, at no cost. Um, they can order copies of the book and begin to build say a small group or a team within their congregation that can begin to look at some of these hinges and then explore it in more depth while we're together. And then there's also gonna be three smaller breakout sessions that will explore specific next step opportunities for congregational teams. And the whole idea is to begin to develop develop a team of people in the congregation that uh, will work together to take a look at some of these factors and ask what might be our next steps in our congregation. Uh, That way, no one person is doing this all by themselves. You've got a team of people that are willing to work together and bring their ideas to the greater congregation and see what can be done together. Yeah. When
0: congregations are thinking about attending one of these events and they're trying to figure out who from their congregation they should bring along, what types of people would you think um, you would recommend them to bring?
1: You know, I... Generally speaking, what I've talked with congregations about is don't bring folks that are that are simply because let's just say this simply because they're already engaged in a leadership office within the church. Uh, bring people that that are interested in learning more about this, that have uh, energy and and time to commit to learning more about this, and are willing to to work together with others. Um, it can be. It can be one person, but since there are three breakout sessions I've been, and they all run simultaneously, I've been recommending that congregations bring at least three or more people. And that way you can have one person at each of the breakout sessions, or you can divide and conquer, so to speak, at these breakout sessions. And then they come back and they pull what they learned from each of those uh, there 's just a there 's just a sense of of camaraderie that comes from being able to work together. I think the other thing to remember is this is one tool. this is not a uh, an end in itself it 's not the thing that 's going to fix everything that 's happening in the congregation. We offer this as a district as a tool that congregations can take advantage of, and if they find something that 's helpful, then God bless it and move forward with it and we can provide coaching for that. And if, there's, if they come away from this thinking, well, this is, this is okay material, but it doesn't fit us right now, terrific. Let's take a look at what might work mm-hmm. well.
0: Yeah, so that's really important to, to realize that these events that we hold, these opportunities are not solutions to any problems or ends by themselves, but ways to continue a process of identifying uh, what can be done and in how the congregation can really engage in God's mission.
1: Yeah, too often congregations will come really seeking what I've referred to as the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Tell us, they'll they'll say, tell us what's the what's the one thing we need to do to to begin to reach people in our community or to begin to, to strengthen the the worship attendance or to bring more youth into our congregation. It's not that simple. It's really changing our our thinking process, our planning process, and then enacting that. And change is not a simple process. Mm-hmm. It takes a real dedicated effort on the part of everyone in the congregation if it's going to work and if it's going to if it's going to move forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so often it's not just adding a new program or, or getting rid of an old program or something like that in the congregation, but that paradigm has to shift. That mindset has to change of yeah. how we look toward our community and the opportunities that exist.
1: Yeah, and that's why we have such a, if you will, such a broad range of opportunities, you know, from from demographic studies all the way to a weekend consultation and everything in between. Um, every one of those is a useful tool, but the tools are only as effective as the people that are going to put them to work. Mm-hmm. And so we just try to look at what's most Needed or most helpful at this particular point in a congregation's lifespan, and uh, and and how can we assist them take the next step?
0: Mm-hmm. So these events are Saturday, March twenty fourth at Good Shepherd Oatana, and Saturday, April fourteenth at South Shore Trinity in White Bear Lake. More information and registration is available on our website, and you can uh, contact. Uh, Dr. Johnson, for more information about those, is there anything else you want to add about Mission Formation uh, for the folks listening?
1: Uh, I would just say uh, wherever our congregation's at, whatever whatever situation they find themselves in, there are good, positive next steps that they can take that can make a real difference in the lives of people. And um, I would be just thrilled to be able to come in and, and listen to where you're at and to be able to talk with you a little bit about what those next steps might be.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for being with us today, Phil, and I appreciate your words and the work that you do for our congregations.
1: Thanks for the invitation. Good to be with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Cultivating Leaders. Have a blessed day.